This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, just a couple days ago, I said, how many days will the Trailblazers stay in first place? Well, they made it one day. Made it one day. Trailblazers no longer in first place. Steven called it to my attention today. I mean, I didn't expect them to stay there forever. But, you know, I just thought, could they win one? Chauncey Billups, Blazers coach, uh, basically saying that the season started off on the wrong foot. It was just a, it was a rough go from the very beginning. Uh, literally from the very beginning. We turned over on the first play of the game um, and just never really settled in, you know, but I don't, I just didn't feel like we challenged them enough. That's a good team, you know, um, that team is going to be competing for a championship this year. Um, but we just didn't, we didn't challenge them enough in my opinion. Um, but we never really got settled in. I thought their pressure really hurt us, uh, turned us over, the rebounding really kind of hurt us. Um, so it was, you know, it was a, it was an uphill climb the whole game. Trailblazers uh, losing to the Los Angeles Clippers 123 to 111 in the season opening game. Scoot Henderson, because you asked, uh, shot 5 for 11, scored 11 points, had four turnovers, had four assists, underwhelmed with his opening performance. Here's Scoot talking about. Uh, Game one of his rookie season. That was the biggest thing, you know, for me myself. You know, at that time, at that point, it was it was a it was a mind game with me, um, knowing that I know I got a lot to, lot to learn, and knowing that uh, age don't matter, but just knowing that not what I'm capable of, and um, how I could, you know, just learn from it. Like I said, um, like I, like you said, I was struggling at one point at the beginning, and you know, I just always thought next play. You know, just next play mentality, try to get back on defense. So, Scoot Henderson, uh, underwhelming again, 11 points, four assists in his uh, game one of his rookie season. Victor Wimbanyama was a big story last night, as a lot of people were tuned in to kind of see how he would do. And I know it started slowly for him, but uh, I thought, by and large, he, uh, he, he, a lot, what I was seeing a lot of on social media when it came to Wimby is. A lot of people saying, like, gosh, it's been a while since a player made me want to just settle in and watch a game. There was a lot of curiosity about his game. And, of course, uh, the Mavericks end up beating him 126-119. to 119. But uh, it was a notable game one for Wemby as, you know, he shoots 6 of 9. Uh, pretty efficient there. Had 15 points. Blocked a shot. I uh, did have five turnovers, only five rebounds. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, but I want to get the lay of the land. What did you see 
For the Blazers on opening night, if you're a Blazer fan, I want to hear from you. Weigh in now. We're not going to talk Blazers all year because very shortly the Blazers will fall behind in the Western Conference to the point where we'll we'll be talking about things like the draft lottery and whatnot. But Game 1, Blazers season, and Victor Wembanyama's debut, 503-417-7575. What did you see? How did you feel about it? Stephen, I'll let you start. Let's start with Wemby. Wembenyama gets uh, the start, plays 23 minutes, 6 of 9, uh, shoots five threes. I was a uh, uh, little surprised to see him shooting so much out there, but I guess uh, that's part of his game. But what did you think of his game uh, in, in his debut? Yeah, I mean, it was it sucked that he got in foul trouble, and I think that's a learning process for him, you know, being 19 years old. You know, guys are going to take advantage of him and, you know, Use use his size against him basically, and get get some fouls called for him. So you know, played less than twenty minutes, which was a bummer. But uh, you know, fifteen points. I think he showed what he can do, and it, it's so fun for me as a basketball fan to watch a guy that's seven foot four running off of screens and getting dribble handoffs and looking to shoot three pointers off of the dribble. Like it's just stuff you don't see very often, and so. For me, it was it was a good good outing for uh, Wimbenyama. I think you know just stay out of foul trouble. You'll learn that as you get older. But uh, you know, I saw a stat where Wimbenyama was the closest defender on seven shots by the Dallas Mavericks, and they only made one of them. So you know, he he causes a lot of problems defensively, and that's where he's really going to shine this season. It's not just going to be in the block shots; it's going to be affecting all these type of shots. So I thought it was really good performance out of Wimbenyama. You know, just got to stay out of foul trouble. And then for Scoot. You know, it, it was a rough game for him, but uh, I think it was one of those things where he was going against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and, you know, Norman Powell and Nicola Batum and a lot of veteran players, Russell Westbrook, a lot of Hall of Fame players, and it was kind of a welcome to the NBA moment for him. Uh, you know, he's played in the G League, which, you know, is a good competition, but welcome to the NBA. You're facing off against these dudes, and it, it kind of showed early on in the game. He drove to the hoop a couple times, and he's not a great two-foot jumper. He do, That's just not really what he does. He's going to have to learn how to do that. But he's a one-foot jumper, but guys were getting up with him and blocking his shot. He got blocked at the rib twice real early on in the game, and then he settled for a couple of little floaters that he, you know, one he airballed, a couple that he missed. So it's a whole learning process with Scoot. But I, you know, I'm intrigued by Scoot, and I like what he did. He, he's just he has a lot of athleticism. He has a lot of skills that you like. He's a really good passer. He's a very willing passer. And even in that quote that he had, you know, he said, "I wasn't worried about you know messing up. I'll just worry about the next play. Get back on defense." Like that's the stuff I like to hear. I felt like Scoot was the real. Like, he was the alpha guy for the Blazers. Like, Anthony Simons didn't really step up to be the guy. He had a nice game. He was efficient. But, like, it wasn't a, you know, alpha type of game for Anthony Simons. DeAndre Ayton was bad. It was a bad performance overall. I think you can put a lot on Chauncey Billups on that one for, you know, game one. He talks about from the get-go, it was an uphill battle. That's kind of on him. Like, get something going. Yeah, they didn't look ready to play. No, they weren't ready to play. They didn't have any strategy. They didn't have anything going. So, I put a lot on Chauncey in game one. But, you know, for Scoot, I liked what Scoot did. I liked what Wimbledon did. I, I keep saying to this season, what I want is I want people to be excited about the young players, and I was I was underwhelmed with Scoot Henderson. I thought we might get a little more from him, and I know he's up against a lot, but I have big expectations for him. He's not going to get the pass of being a rookie in the league, and people aren't going to go, you know, at the end of the season, it, you know, if he has a bad season, they're not going to go, well, he was a rookie, because we've seen rookies come into Portland, Damian Lillard, Brandon Roy among them, who have had success, LaMarcus Aldridge, who have had success coming right out of the draft, and we expect that from Scoot Henderson. So I think, um, you know, yeah, maybe a bad matchup for the Blazers on opening night, but there's going to be a lot of bad matchups this year for the Blazers. They're just, the roster's not very good, and I keep, you know, I was surprised 
pleasantly, I guess. You know, I, I, I thought maybe if they were going to have a problem in game one or early on that it was going to be a problem scoring points. You know, they had 111 points. It's not embarrassing, but defense wasn't there in over their heads against a Clippers team that will compete. They get uh, Orlando uh, in, a, in a game tonight at home for the home opener. Friday. Uh, but, or excuse me, Friday. Is that a better matchup? For the Blazers? I mean, yeah, just because the Magic aren't as good, but they have a lot of really good athletes. I, I think this is a game where Scoot can be a lot better and a lot more effective. Just, you know, defensively, the Clippers can be really good with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the outside and then Zubach in the middle. Like, they just have a lot of really good pieces that you could throw at a young player and really confuse them and pressure him. And that really affected them. You know, I, I think this is, for me, John, early on in the season, this is on Chauncey. Like, we talked about the Blazers getting off to a good start. We thought they would, and it obviously didn't happen in game one. I think a lot of it's got to be put on Chauncey Billups right now. This is the team that he wanted. This is the team, the players that he wants on his team, and they look the, the exact same thing. Blazers giving up wide-open threes. Blazers gave up a bunch of dunks. I mean, the first five minutes, John, the Clippers had five dunks. It, at one point, it was the score was Clipper dunks seven, Blazers six. Like, it, it just... <laughs> I was keeping track. That was the score I was keeping track. But it was just bad. Like, it was open threes, wide open dunks. Then offensively, it was just a lot of standing around. So, I, I mean, I put a lot of it on Chauncey right now. But you're right. Scoot does have to be better. He looked a little nervous, looked a little, uh, you know, he's pressing on it a little bit. But, I, you know, Friday night should be a win. Even though they're not favored, the Magic are a road favorite at the Moda Center on Friday. The Blazers, that's a game that you should win even against the Orlando Magic. Chauncey Billups is hired. He's got no proof of performance as a head coach. He'd never been a head coach at any level, okay? No head coaching experience. Then we kind of watch him, you know, last season and beyond uh, sort of, um, you know, bumbling his way through, and, and he's given a bit of a pass because, you know, Damian Lillard, that all that hanging overhead, and can he really coach? I really am looking at this season, too, to figure out, can this guy coach? Can he be a coach of a team that really has a lot of younger developing players? Is he the right coach for this team? Those kinds of questions have to be asked of Chauncey Billups this season. And so I think early on there will be some scrutiny on him. And last night I think in you know if we're just putting up wins and losses as far as coaching is concerned, last night was a loss for Chauncey Billups. You know he's zero and one. We should keep tally of that as the season goes on, and maybe just keep tally in the first twenty twenty five games because. That he needs some wins, even if they don't win the game. What I mean is you need to see some moments where you're like, gosh, really looked like Chauncey was coaching his ass off out there. And, gosh, the young guys are really playing. And, gosh, they're playing really hard on defense. And, man, did they look prepared. I didn't see that last night. And so if we are at, like, 20, 25 games and we still don't see that, I think we have our answer on Chauncey Billups because, you know, he was brought in. It's not, not really fair to him either. Like, he's not going to turn the job down. But he's brought in by Neil Olshay. You know, as Olshay is transitioning from Terry Stotts into Chauncey, it wasn't the coach that, like, most people wanted. It was the coach that Neil Olshay wanted because what? He could then, after three or four seasons, blame Chauncey and fired him and say, you know, this is Chauncey was good for a, a stopgap in developing some young players in our rebuild, but now it's time to go in another direction. I mean, it was... He was a it was a smokescreen for Neil Olshay. And now Olshay's gone, and Chauncey's sitting there without Damian Lillard, you know, trying to win some games and prove that he can coach. And I don't I don't really know if he can. I don't think he can. I don't think I think the I think we know the answer. I think we know he's not gonna be the coach. He's not gonna be the guy that develops players. He's not gonna be the guy that wins games that he shouldn't win. I, I don't think he's gonna end up like I think he has a lot of growth 
and probably needs to lose a bunch of games and then go off and be an assistant coach somewhere for a while and then maybe get another shot before we really know what kind of coach he is. But I don't see it happening with this group, Stephen. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Just based off performance, it hasn't been great, and it's the same thing year after year. I mean, even when the Blazers were trying to win last two seasons, it was wide-open threes, it was wide-open dunks, wide-open layups, and it's still that every single game. And the Clippers aren't supposed to be one of the better shooting teams, and they just shot the lights out because – NBA guys are going to make wide-open shots. If you give them open shots, they're going to make them. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of it on the defensive end, and that's the worrisome part. Chauncey's supposed to be this defensive guy, focus on the defensive side. The Blazers' defense hasn't been good you know, the last five years, and it was time to get rid of Terry Stotts. I agree with that. Uh, it, you know, His voice had run his course, but at the same time, Chauncey has not shown any ability to be an NBA coach at this point. And you're right. Maybe he's going to find it at some point, but – if it's with the Blazers, it's got to be soon, and or else I'm going to start pushing on that. Like he he's got to show something, you know, schematically on the defensive side and the offensive side. He can't just lean on Dame anymore. He has to draw some things up and get some players some open shots. So I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Chauncey these next you know 20 25 games. See what he can do. All right, uh, the debut of Victor Wembanyama was spoiled. And another chance here for Dallas to run more clock. Wembanyama remains on Irving. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet! Luka hits the step back three. It's the dagger. Dallas goes on to win. Um, I don't know. My takeaway last night, because those were the two games that I kind of had my eye on. Blazers game, and then you've got the debut of Wembenyama. It just kind of felt like the old guys in the gym, you know, beat the young guys. You know, that's yeah. what it... It was like the old guy who comes walking through the gym door. He's got goggles on. He's got two knee braces on. He's got a towel. He's stretching out. Like, who does that? Stretching out before the pickup game. It, those guys were bounce passing and uh, showing the young guys how to do it. Yeah, I mean, Luca. Luca showed who he is. You know, I love Luca Doncic. I think he's one of the best players in the NBA. And he had a couple big-time shots at the end of the game where he drove and just used his lack of speed. Got an and one and then hit the step back three. You're right. It was just like, hey, you know what? Welcome to the NBA, big guy. But uh, you know, you still got to go through these these uh, you know professional star players on these other teams, and we're gonna do it this way. And this is the way we do it. But I will say, you know, Wembenyama. The thing about him, John, it, the way he moves at seven foot four, the way he can, you know, the touch he has on his jump shot. If he develops, you know, any type of strength and he gets bigger, which I assume he's going to, you know, that guy really could be a force on the offensive side. I, I think defensively. He did have some bright spots. When he was out there, he really affected a lot of plays for the Spurs. So I don't think the Spurs are very good. I think they're kind of in the Blazers spot where they have a bunch of role players that, you know, are they kind of, they're, they're meh. But then they got Wimbanyama, who should be that star. So I think it'd be a long season for the Spurs, but the growth of Wimbanyama is going to be on the offensive side and just staying out of foul trouble. I, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. And I, I don't know, though, if that's going to get fixed because I think it'll, it's going to take him some time to adjust. I think it'll take the officials some time, too. And I don't think he's going to get calls. Like, we saw that last night. I don't think he's going to get calls as you see star players get. Yeah, I think he had, get. what, maybe one or two free throws the entire game. Like, he, you know, yeah. you're going to be able to push that guy around, and the, and the officials aren't going to call fouls. It'll be interesting to see how other players defend him as well, because you know that all the talk has been about Wimpen Gum. It's kind of like the Colorado Buffaloes this year. Like, all the talk around him, all the hype, and the Ducks came out and, you know, wanted to crush him. I think these vets are going to want to push Wimbanyama around and say... And Scoot Henderson, too. And, he, Scoot, yeah. Henderson, he, Scoot Henderson had one free throw himself. Perp, yeah, great example. Yeah. They're going to push around yeah. these hyped guys and say, you know what, this is the NBA, young fella. Uh, you're not going to get these calls. We're going to push you around. And I thought, like, you know, we even saw this. I, I can remember when Damian Lillard was a rookie, and I can remember when LeBron was a rookie, that, you know, they were 
complaining about how they were officiated, even er, like year two, year three. And I do think it takes some time for the officials to kind of give you those calls because the officials that, you know, they're not only waiting to see what you can do and how consistent you are, but they're just, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain, uh, you know, you got to pay your dues that happens with uh, the officiating in the NBA. And, you know, James Harden, you can't breathe on him. Uh, he gets a call. And, you know, Lillard gets calls now that he didn't get early in his career. LeBron gets all sorts of calls, even though he complains. But, um, you know, I didn't see Wembenyama or Scoot on either end, of, either end of the floor getting much from the officials. And I do think you're right. I think it's going to be a little bit of a uh, uphill climb. Now, after one game, I think Wembenyama's in the lead for the Rookie of the Year. Did you see anything from Scoot that could tell you that he might unseat Wembenyama as the potential Rookie of the Year in one game? Small sample size, overreaction, but did you see anything that tells you, hey, you know what, Scoot might be the guy this year? No, I didn't. I, I think Wembenyama, again, as long as he stays out of foul trouble, he's going to put up numbers. He's going to be the most dominant guy on the court. So, no, I don't think so. The thing about Scoot is he didn't make a three. He's not a great three-point shooter. I was I was a little you know, pleasantly surprised on his passing ability. He had some really nice passes, but I don't think that's going to get him in the Rookie of the Year conversation. So I, I'd go with no. I think Wimbenyama uh, is the favorite, should be the favorite, and will end up winning as long as he plays enough games. we got a big show today. Dan Lanning, University of Oregon coach, will be on at 420. He'll be joining us to talk about their game in Salt Lake City. I have been all over Salt Lake City today doing podcasts and interviews there. A lot of hype in uh, Utah today about this Oregon game that will be taking place on Saturday. 12.30 kickoff Pacific time on Fox. Game day will be there. I'll be on the scene. You can read me at johnconzano.com. But um, it was uh, really interesting to hear kind of the narrative and the conversation in Salt Lake City. I think there's a lot of hope with the Utes fans that they can play Oregon close. I, I Look, I think Oregon's a better team. I think uh, Utah would have to steal a couple of possessions either by turnover or by being super aggressive, maybe a little out of character and going for it on fourth and short a few times, just trying to steal and prolong possessions. But Because I think Oregon's the better team. I, I'm picking Oregon to win that game. I'm picking them to cover the six-and-a-half-point spread. I, I feel good about that. I think Bo Nix will not make mistakes. But if I'm Utah, I think you got to do something a little out of character because I just don't think Bryson Barnes and that Utah offense are going to be able to stay with Oregon. We'll talk about that with Dan Lanning at 420. Uh, Matt Safino, the chief meteorologist of KGW, is going to be along in the 3 o'clock hour, just this hour, later this hour. He is the biggest Utah honk that I know. He is. He listens to the show when we have Kyle Whittingham on. He texts me constantly about Utah football. I want to bring Matt Safino on from KGW, the meteorologist there, to talk about his love for Utah. Plus, we'll get a forecast for the Halloween weekend uh, out of Zafino. How about that? A little trade? Can we do that? Uh, also, coming up next, Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. They've got a big game. Is there such a thing as a trap game? Jonathan Smith said no on yesterday's show. He said no such thing as a trap game. Well, I'll ask uh, Anthony Gold, a player, if there's any possibility that Oregon State, coming out of a bye, could maybe uh, overlook Arizona. Here's what Jonathan Smith said. They're solid, man. I mean, offensively, they get play with great balance. They get two big-time wideouts. Quarterback play's been really good. They're playing. They've had to and play two two guys, and 
you know, they're throwing it well to those guys, but they mix in the run game with multiple backs, um, just solid balance across the board on that side. I, one of the, you know, best, most improved defenses in the league, if not the country. Um, these guys are playing way better, way better against the run. Um, shoot, held Washington State to six points. So, you know, they're playing well. They're playing well. We'll ask Anthony Gold about it next. Our next guest brought to you by Jamba, Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. He's got a big football game at Arizona. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last few games. Anthony, is there such a thing as a trap game? People keep saying, oh, this is a trap game. Nick Aliotti, the former Oregon defensive coordinator, says no such thing. Jonathan Smith says, I don't think so, no such thing. What do you say? You're a player. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um I would say no. Uh, I agree with those guys. Uh, you know, every week, and especially in the league, you know, we're playing in the conference we're playing this year, um, you know, everyone's good. So, um, you know, you can't overlook any team or, um, you know, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It doesn't matter if it's Arizona, you know, Arizona State, Washington, you know, they're all going to get our respect. And, uh, you know, our motto in the, in, the, in the facility is, you know, respect all, fear none. So, um, you know, they definitely have our respect, as they should. You know, they're a good football team. Um, so, no, I don't, I don't believe in trap games. The uh, the Arizona Wildcats, when you look at them on film as a wide receiver, what what do you see? What are you looking at? Oh, yeah, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, they, they're pretty good in the run game. So, I know I'm going to, you know, have to do my best um, when it comes to, you know, running routes and getting open. Um, but, yeah, you know, they're a solid defense. Um, you know, they held uh, Washington State to, to six points last time out. So, um, and that's a good offense. So, uh, you know, you know, we got a good good test in front of us. Um, but, yeah, you know, as long as we go out there and execute, um, we should be all right. The bye week, you know, the coaches will use it. They go off and recruit a little bit. You know, for as a player, how do you use that bye week? Oh, yeah, you know, I just caught, caught up on some, some uh, schoolwork, you know, first and foremost. Um, but then, you know, just relax, you know, relaxing, um, taking care of your body, um, you know, just trying to get up off your feet as much as possible, you know, just rewatching, you know, the film throughout the year of like, okay, this is the stuff I can correct these next couple games, um, you know, just little stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, you know, just really relaxing, recovery, uh, those were like the big the big tool for me. I, I said yesterday, you know, that, Sometimes just being aware of the stakes is enough to motivate a team. You guys are sitting in the thick of this race. You've got this week's game at Arizona and then a couple games after with Colorado, Stanford, Washington, Oregon. I mean, you're right there in it. Do you guys understand the stakes? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, But, you know, that's something that we don't really uh, put too much value in. Um, You know, we still got a lot of ball to play. Um, so does everyone else in this conference. So um, we understand the stakes, um, but, you know, the, the stakes only get higher, you know, week to week, the more you win. So, um, you know, Arizona has our full respect, but, you know, we're going in there, you know, we're looking at just, just another game. You know, it's just another opponent. Uh, we're focusing on ourselves. Um, you know, we don't look, try and look too far ahead in the season or um, anything that can cause distractions. So, um, yeah, we understand the stakes to a certain uh, aspect, but, you know, it's not something that we're harping on or focusing on. You know, throughout the week, we're still preparing the same. Um, 
you know, if you have a good week of practice, you usually execute in the game, and that's something we uh, try and emphasize is, you know, just being able to execute during practice and uh, clean up stuff during practice so that, um, you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing as long as we go out there and execute. Um, you know, guys are doing their job flying around and having fun. Are you an NBA fan? Uh, a little bit. I watched a little bit during the season. Did you watch last but night? You, you, most, who's your team? Who's your team? Man, I I was a Portland guy, uh, but now you know I'm just I'm a Dame I'm a Dame guy, you know. So, uh, not nah, I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm exactly a Bucks. You're a Bucks fan, fan but, now. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say all that, but <laughs> you know I definitely have my players that you know that you know Dame and Braun I say are my two that you know I just I hope they win so. I saw it. Travis Hunter got to meet LeBron, and he screamed. You know, uh, do you you think you'd have that kind of reaction? I, I kind of liked it. It was a real reaction. Yeah, I think I. You know, that's that's definitely you know something that I'd be happy to do. If, you know, I'd be excited if I ever got the opportunity. You know, there's not too many times you get to meet. You know, the best athlete, one of the best athletes of all time. So, um, yeah, you know, I. I don't know if I'd scream, but I'd definitely be excited. I think, you know, that'd definitely be a cool opportunity. Anthony Gold is with us. All right, during your bye week, did you watch college football? Did you get a chance to watch games? Like, you you never get to do that on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it felt, it felt a little weird, I would say. You know, waking up on Saturday and, oh, it's football on. Let me turn some football on. Uh, let me watch. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it felt a little different, you know, watching it from the other side. But, um, yeah, I definitely got to catch some ball and, uh, there were some good games played last week, so it was uh, fun to watch from you know the the fan perspective for for a little bit. For sure. What what game did you think was just the most fun to watch? Mm. Let me think. I think that U USC Utah game was a pretty yeah. good one last week. Yeah, that one might I think needs to be the top top yep. up here. I was at the Oregon Washington State game, and then I was driving home, and I was on five. I probably shouldn't say this. And I had the uh, Utah USC game on my phone, and I kind of was kind of side eyeing it when I was in traffic <laughs> watching it. But uh, it was—I uh, mean, all the way home—and it it kept me company because it was just so back and forth. Mm -hmm. And you've played Utah; you're not going to get the chance to play USC unless they somehow get to Las Vegas. I don't see that happening, but uh, I think you guys could get there. What would it mean for you in this season? And and for your teammates to get to Las Vegas potentially and play for a championship. Oh yeah, you know it mean the world. You know that's all you you know you dream of. Uh, you know growing up is wanting to play on championship teams, and um, you know that's something I haven't been a part of yet at Oregon State. But that's something that you know that's on our our bucket list, and that's you know one of the goals that we want to we want to knock off. So um, you know it's been a grind. You know the last couple of years and. Um, if you're a Beaver fan, you know you know how it's been. So um, we know we're just we're happy that we're taking it week by week right now. But you know it, it definitely meant a lot. Um, but yeah, you know we still got some work to do to to get there. And um, like I said, you know we're not looking too far ahead. But um, you know it's definitely you know on our list of goals, and um, we're we're out to accomplish that. It was interesting to see the young guy at Aiden Childs finally get to talk to the media. He spoke to reporters. He got a chance to uh, do what you've been doing all year long. But you're around that kid in the huddle and at practice and weight room. And, you know, what is, what's Aiden Childs like? Oh, yeah. You know, he's a, he's a super funny kid. You know, he likes to play around and have fun. Um, you know, super down to earth. 
Um, you know, he's a, he's a great kid, you know, uh, coming in. Uh, and he's been like that since the moment he stepped on campus. You know, he's been himself, and that's all you can ask for. You know, it's not the easiest being, a, you know, 17, 18 years old coming in and uh, winter being around, you know, a bunch of college kids, you know, whole team, whole new team, uh, new people. You're just around new new environment, um, you know. But he's came in, he's been himself all throughout, and you know, I think people can appreciate that, you know. But it, when it's time to go, you know, he's all business. Um, but yeah, you know, a super super funny kid to be around. You know, he likes to play around, have fun, and you know, he, he himself. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting with DJ and Aiden both out there. I mean, obviously the. Coaching staff's got confidence in both those guys. DJ has largely been the starter. Aiden will come in and play a series here or there. Uh, you know, that change of pace is interesting. What do you think that does to a defense when, when you have the ability to bring a guy in who's a little bit different at that position? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it gets them thinking. Um, you know, they they probably have to game plan for that as well, you know. Um, Aiden's a little different than DJ in the sense of, you know, he's a little bit more mobile. Um, not that DJ's not, but, you know, Aiden's fast, you know. So, um, you know, he's probably different in that sense. But I'm sure, it, uh, you know, it, it definitely gets the defense thinking and on their toes and, um, you know, having to, you know, keep the defense honest. Um, so, yeah, probably – I'd say probably that for the most part, just, um, you know, keeping the defense honest and, you know, um, keeping them on their toes, keeping them guessing. All right, you guys will travel to Tucson you know, I, a lot of our listeners don't know what that's like. Give us an idea of what a road trip is like schedule-wise for you guys. When do you take off? And you get to the hotel, you know, do, do you get your do you get a room to yourself? Like, what is that like for you? Yeah, so, you know, a normal travel weekend will be um, we'll practice tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll fly out around the afternoon, um, get to the hotel, relax for a little bit, um, have have dinner. Uh, have some time to, you know, if your family members, anyone in town wants to come see you, you can come interact with them. Uh, get a couple hours to do that, and then at nighttime it's meetings, uh, a couple of different meetings, um, you know, a little snack, and then it's, it's off to bed. And then Saturday while we wait, it's just waiting all day, watching college football, more meetings, and then, you know, you play. So um, very, very quick. doesn't seem like you're, you know, you're there very long, very quick turnaround. Um, but yeah, you know, you got a roommate, so you don't don't get your own room. Yeah. Um, Who's your roommate? Do you get to pick, or yeah, they uh, assign it? No, they assign it. Mine's uh, Josiah Iris. So, um, you know, me and him, I'm I'm happy. You know, he's a clean person. You know, he's not dirty. So <laughs> uh, that matters. He's a pretty easy guy to room yeah. with. Yeah, he's pretty easy guy to room with. So. That's funny. Do they usually do that where they pick a guy who's in your position group so you guys can talk about stuff? Yeah, they you know they uh, at least since I've been here they try and keep it like that. If there's any extras, they'll you know they'll pair of the extras. But you know they try and keep it um, by position, uh, just so like um, meetings. As long as you know guys aren't coming up, you know, a little travel buddy essentially. Yeah. Uh, make sure guys are in meetings and then you know where they need to be on time. Um, I'd say that's probably it for the most part. Who was your Who was your uh, roommate last year when you traveled? Uh, Trayshawn Harrison. Okay, was he was he clean as well? Oh yeah, no, nah, he was clean too. I've I've, I've fortunately <laughs> been lucky enough to have you know some some of the cleaner guys. Uh, yeah, but you know, there's there you never know. There's some some dirty people out there. Some people like to snore. I'm a snorer. Yeah, so you know I, that. I, I'm not afraid of them. <laughs> I 
snore. Yeah, I snore loud. So I'm I'm sure I'm not the easiest to, to have sleeping in the room. <laughs> we'll have to get uh we'll have to get Irish on the show and ask him is what's Anthony Gold like as a roommate. All right, I appreciate you joining us. Good luck to you. Go give him hell. A lot at stake for you guys. Uh you know, big game and you know, I think Arizona is viewing this as an opportunity to get a win. I mean, I think, you know, they've been playing well. They had a bye week as well and I think they have to be feeling like they might get you guys. So, you know, I'd love to talk to you next week and have you be sitting at 7-1. and one. Yes, sir. Me too. Go, go get it. All right, there he is. Anthony Gold, that interview brought to you by Jamba, because life is better blended. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk to one of the biggest Utah honks in the land, plus our big splash. I want you to leave it here. You got the bald-faced truth. I got rear-ended today. How about that? No damage to my car. I have the, I have a trailer hitch and a tow package on the back of my uh, SUV. Yeah, but it was really weird, Stephen. I had Anna in the car with me, so uh, she could witness this. But um, I saw we were stopped at a stop uh, stop sign, and uh, I saw this BMW approaching because it was kind of at the bottom of a hill. This BMW kind of coming towards me in the rearview mirror. And I actually saw the BMW stop. And so I was really surprised like a minute later as I'm waiting for cross traffic to clear when I feel like, boom, hit me in the back. And I thought, ooh, somebody must have hit the BMW. And so I glance back up and no, it's just the BMW. The lady in the BMW just clobbered me in the back. And uh, so I got out and looked at the car. I didn't have any damage because the trailer hitch, you know, absorbs all of that in the uh, tongue and the uh, hitch itself or the ball itself uh, sort of of absorbed the blow. But um, she had some on the front of her car. And then I said to her, I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. And I said, and what happened? I said, you were parked. Like, how did you hit me after stopping? And she says, I had flowers in my passenger seat, sitting on the passenger seat, when I stopped, the flowers rolled off the uh, seat and rolled onto the floor. And she said, I leaned down to pick up the flowers and let off the brake. So she hit me at like eight miles an hour. It wasn't like a big collision. It still was surprisingly like a jolt for me. But this is the time of year. Anna, Anna said as a public service, I should bring this up. This is the time of year with it getting darker and rainier and everybody's rushing around on a holiday weekend with a uh, Halloween coming up, everyone's going to be going to Halloween parties and whatnot. This is the time of year where these kinds of things happen, where people get a little careless, they're distracted. Don't be a distracted driver. Let the flowers sit on the passenger seat floorboard. It's okay. They're going to be fine down there. Uh, Have you been in an accident? Steven, uh, knock on wood. No, I have not. But my car does have damage to the front uh, front of it because the other day, it was probably a couple weeks ago, I was getting gas and I was turning back out from the gas station and there was a wreck right in front of me. And the damage from the other cars flew into my car. And it caused, uh, it was a it was a pretty bad accident. And, you know, the so the debris hit my car and caused a little damage there. But I uh, personally never been in an accident. I, um... I think that I've been really fortunate in that I haven't really been in accidents, except for stuff like that. 
I had a guy hit my car in a parking lot when I was at Autzen Stadium last season. Uh, but nothing uh, nothing crazy. Uh, Judah, I know Matt Zafino, the meteorologist of KGW, is uh, up next here in a few minutes. He is asked, he has a, he has an unusual request. Um, he has a direct line from his desk at KGW to our sister station, KXL. He's got a T1 line that is all queued up. Is there a way to patch him in when we bring him on in a few minutes via that line? If not, or if so, maybe give him a call a little early here. <laughs> see if uh, see if um, there's some way to patch him over from KXL into our studio, or does he need to call in on the phone? He, he's asking me now, and I'm telling him that I will have you reach out to him because, you know, I'm on air, Matt Zafino. He'll understand that. But uh, give him a quick call if you can and find out um, what's the best way to connect he, with him in a few He gave minutes. you the thumbs up, so he's on right. it. He is uh, scrambling now. I know it's kind, of a, it's kind of a cool concept. And I do that when I join KJR Radio in Seattle. I don't call them up and dial in like a caller. I actually connect to them from my studio to their studio. So it sounds like I'm in their studio. And, man, it's just a better conversation. So sometimes we'll see if we can get that going while we do this, our big splash. It's the one thing you need to know today. This is the big splash. Brought to you by Killer Burger. Voted best burger five years in a row. Killer Burger's 10 rad burger builds will send your taste buds on an epic journey. Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about. I want to focus on two investigations as the subject of our big splash. First of all, the NBA is investigating if the Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden violated the league's participation policy. Uh, the NBA is investigating uh, whether or not uh, they are looking uh, to find a way around their opening night national TV game against the Milwaukee Bucks today. Um, James Harden's availability tonight. This is an early test, an interesting early test of the league's new rules meant to increase availability for star players in nationally televised games. Um, Harden wanted to travel to Milwaukee and Toronto on the opening road trip. Sixers says, we don't think you're physically prepared to play after spending so long away from the team. Uh, he's had a 10-day absence from the team, by the way, and uh, he had one preseason scrimmage with the teammates. Harden is an interesting case. The other investigation, the one at Michigan that is getting a little tired by my book, but the NCAA apparently has been to the University of Michigan this week to look into the sign-stealing probe. Um, this is uh, a really interesting development. But uh, Connor Stallions, the analyst who's making uh, $55,000 a year to spy on teams, is at the center of this probe. ESPN has reported uh, that uh, Stallions purchased tickets to games at 12 different schools in 2021 and 2022 and also scouted some of the college football playoff contenders, including the University of Oregon. So uh, the paper trail, not hard to find. And, uh, of course, Michigan under investigation. Um, James Harden, Michigan. Stephen, which one of those two entities deserves to be investigated with more alacrity? Uh, I think the James Harden situation, uh, just the fact that he was gone for so long and then he said his personal problem. Philly said, all right, that's cool. Like, you know, go do, do your thing. He comes back and uh, supposedly gets ripped off the right before the flight and said to go home. Like, I, 
I don't know. Seems a little sketchy there. Uh, the 76ers just don't want him, and I feel like that's that's got to yeah. be investigated a little bit more than uh, I think the sign stealing thing has gotten out of hand, and it's not that big of a deal. I think the sign stealing thing is is uh, is a principle matter, and it's a big rule. You're breaking it. You need to be punished. I think the uh, 76ers thing is just typical NBA star player wants to be traded. Team doesn't want him around because they know he's not on board. I don't know what the NBA is going to investigate there. Uh, Matt Safino is joining us now live via satellite. Chief meteorologist, KGW-TV. He's the guy. He's also a diehard Utah football fan. Safino, big game this weekend. Are you fired up for this? Hey John, I certainly am. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a classic game. These two teams have had some pretty epic battles over the years, or at least some weird or interesting games going back to the you know the Kalen Clay dropping the touchdown before he got in the end zone. That one stunned. I, I tried to reach out to Clay this week because I was going to get him on radio. He didn't want. He didn't want to talk about it. He still <laughs> can't he, imagine, can't yeah, imagine can, why. Can you imagine? Like people remember, it was a seventy-eight yard touchdown reception and he just drops the ball in the one yard line and Joe Walker picks it up and goes the other way. It's terrible. Like Utah should have been up 14-0 instead it's 7-7. Oregon uses that to go on to win the game. Kyle Whittingham was very gracious this week. He said, you know, there's 150 other plays after that in the game. You know, we could have made any of those. I think he's a great coach in saying that, but you Google Kalen Clay. He's played in the NFL. He had so many other big moments and that thing still pops up. Yeah, you know, it's a Billy Buckner moment, basically, you know. And it, and I remember so clearly because he just casually acted like he was already in the end zone, and he wasn't. And, uh, you know, credit to the Duck uh, who picked it up and ran it the other way. I think all the players were stunned. And you're right, that was a 14-point swing, and, you know, that was kind of the ball game. It was a, such a huge momentum shift. Let's go back to your time at the University of Utah. You're stuttery, studying meteorology at Utah. You're interning at KTVX in Salt Lake City. Um, yeah. is, this what you, is this what you always wanted to do? Like when you got to school there, you knew this is what you wanted to do, or did you find it there? No, I, I went to school there because that's what I wanted to do. Um, I, I figured out in high school, and I consider myself pretty lucky, um, you know, I knew in high school what I wanted to do. <clears throat> I wanted to be a meteorologist. I wanted to study the weather and work with weather. I didn't know that I wanted to necessarily go into television, that part I figured out in Utah, in Salt Lake, at KTVX, as you mentioned, when I interned there. But I had a passion for weather and for weather forecasting. And so, you know, back in those days, there was no Internet. So I, I went to, you know, the, the library in the town next to my town, because my town was too small to have a library, and, um, and looked in the big book of colleges. And, and I knew I wanted to go to school in the West because I wanted to be around big mountains and I wanted to ski. And that's how I found the University of Utah, and I'm like, oh, skiing and meteorology, sign me up. <laughs> so so I, I, I drove out there sight unseen, never did a visit, uh, any of that, and uh, got super lucky because it worked out great. I, I just had a fantastic time living there and becoming a Utah fan, You know, which, as you know, I still am to this day. So it's been a great ride. All right, give me an idea. You know, Rice-Eccles Stadium, to me, it, it's just such a fun place to watch a football game, but... What's it like to be a fan in that stadium? It's electric. I mean, it's, you know, like any fan base, when you're in your home stadium, be it Reister Stadium or down at Austin Stadium, it's, you know, you feel like you're part of something. Um, you, you, it's like going to a Grateful Dead concert. You're part of a community. And it's just super special. But for me, going to Rice Eccles, 
I played flag football in that stadium when I was in, during my brief stint as, as a member of a fraternity um, at Utah. And uh, so I always look back at that moment. And then I was at the opening ceremonies at the Olympics in 2002 in Salt Lake, which were at Rice Eccles. So just a lot of great moments there. And like you say, it's electric. You've got amazing views, as you know. You've been there several times of the surrounding mountains. And uh, it's been super fun to be there. I wish I was going this weekend. I'm still holding out hope that I can find a cheap cheap plane ride, but uh, it's getting a little bit late in the game for that. But it, it is a really special place to be, as you know. And it's always, for, you know, which is true for any, any college football fan, whenever you hear other people talking about how your stadium is a tough place to play, and I know that's true for Reeser Stadium and Austin Stadium, it kind of warms your heart a little bit. You know, it's always good to, to know that you got that home field advantage. Well, we always bring Whittingham on the show, the, the Utah writers who cover the team. You know, we, I think Utah's become such a big part of the conference. This game, I think, is going to be an elimination game for somebody. Like, whoever loses this game is going to be on the outside trying to fight their way back into the to the race to Las Vegas. Uh, how do you see Utah matching up with Oregon? You know, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a really, really tough matchup for Utah. I think the Ducks are a tough matchup for anybody. Um, I think they're the most complete team in the conference. I picked them to beat Washington in that game. Um, and except for, you know, some questionable calls on fourth down, I think they would have. Um, but that's the great thing about this Utah team. I'm just so proud of these guys because of, you know, and every team deals with injuries and Kyle Whittingham would be the first person to not make excuses for it. Um, but they've had to go through so much, and they're plugging in guys, you know, Sione Baki's story, the Bryson Barnes story. I mean, think about Bryson Barnes. He was a non-scholarship walk-on at the beginning of the season, and he was just named Offensive Player of the Week in the Pac-12. So it's just an amazing story. And for that reason, I just don't count them out of any yeah. game. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to say they're going right. to win because I'm a Utah fan, but I think it's yeah. going to be a battle. I'm also glad you mentioned Kyle Whittingham because yeah. we gotta, one of the Matt, great- we got to go. And good luck to your team. All right, I'll catch up with you later. All right, buddy. Take care. Good stuff from Matt Safino. Last hour, KGW meteorologist at Utah Honk. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. My official picks for the Pac-12 week are out. I'm just going to rip through them real quickly on today's show. My week nine picks. You want to go in more depth? Go to johnconzano.com. You can read my rationale behind every pick. I am uh, currently picking 55% winners against the spread. I'm 27 and 22. My straight-up record is 50 and 9. That's 85%. So I'm looking to get to 60% for the season. I'm going to need a nice, solid run down the stretch on my picks against the spread. And I like to get to 90% on my picks straight up. Oregon, Utah, 1230 Saturday on Fox. Ducks are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I now believe the Ducks are going to cover. 31-23. I have them winning by eight. Steven, you with me or no? I'm with you on this one. I, I don't... I. Bryson Barnes, Safino even said it, Pac-12 Player of the Week last week. Uh, I, I don't trust that guy. I don't trust that guy against the Oregon defense. I think the Oregon defense is solid and is real enough. I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to lay the points. I think they win by double digits. Utah got 34 on USC's defense. I think they'll get about 23, 21 to 23 on Oregon. 
And that's why I like the Ducks to cover. I think Oregon will score the low 30s. USC's at Cal. This one's interesting. 1 o'clock Saturday, Pac-12 Networks. I don't trust USC. I do not trust them. They're an 11-point favorite. I'm taking Cal in the points. Won't be surprised if Cal wins the game in an upset, but I'll pick USC to win. 35-30. High-scoring game. Don't know where USC's head is, but give me Cal in 11. Hate to agree with you on two in a row, but yeah, I don't know where USC's head is. I think before the season, you ask who's the team's that would quit on their season for anybody else. It's Colorado, USC, if things go wrong. And things are definitely going wrong uh, down in Southern California. So I don't know what team I'm going to get at USC. I'll take Cal and Justin Wilcox on the points. It seems like a Wilcox spot where he keeps the game close. Uh, USC definitely an upset alert this week. All right, let's see if we agree on three in a row. Washington's at Stanford, 4 o'clock Saturday, FS1. Huskies should win this game, but Michael Penix Jr. has not looked right. I just don't think Stanford is good enough to give Washington the kind of trouble that Arizona State gave him. I think Arizona State is a, a little more feisty, a little little more talented at some key positions. Washington, though, is a 26.5-point favorite. I hate that many points, but I don't think Stanford can get more than 14. So I'm going to take Washington to cover 42-14. Yeah, I'll uh, disagree with you on that one. I, I think Stanford gets enough points because I don't think Penix is healthy. And we saw last week the struggle that Washington had against an Arizona State team that isn't very good. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. And now that Stanford's found Alec A. Maynard at wide receiver, you know, he, uh, he's he got 21 catches, almost 400 yards the last two weeks. I think maybe Stanford gets to 14, 17 points, and they uh, cover this game. I think Washington wins. I don't think it's a close game necessarily, but I think Stanford covers the uh, covers the points. Colorado's at UCLA, 4.30 on ABC. Kirk Herbstreit and uh, and uh, Fowler will, Chris Fowler will be on the broadcast of this game. Um, I like UCLA big in this game. I, I originally had thought about picking Colorado to cover, but the more I looked at UCLA's defense and the more I looked at the way UCLA gets physical and runs the ball, I think Colorado's going to have, have their hands full. UCLA's a 17-point favorite. I have the Bruins covering. 42-21. I originally thought that Colorado was live to win this game, but then last week Chip Kelly goes with Chase Garbers at quarterback for most of the game, and and that was the right choice. Dante Moore hasn't been very good. I think Chase Garbers is better than Moore at this point, which is a little bit crazy to think, but I think he is. Uh, I think Colorado keeps it somewhat close, and uh, UCLA does not cover it. They'll take Colorado plus the points, but UCLA wins. Washington State, Arizona State, 5 o'clock Saturday, Pac-12 Networks. Washington State's been in a bit of a tailspin. They're favored by six. They're at Arizona State. Uh, seems like Arizona State, this could be their last chance to win a conference game. I say that, you know, uh, knowing that, you know, they're just a little in over their heads. But I, I like Washington State to rebound. I don't know if it's going to be impressive, but I have it 28-20. I just don't think Arizona State can can find enough offense in this game. And so I think the Cougars will cover the six. Well, we're two and two together here, and I'm going to disagree with you on this one. So we'll we'll go head to head on this. I think Arizona State wins outright. You you touched on it. This is their last chance really to get a W in the Pac-12, and they've played hard for Kenny Dillingham. And defensively, they've been pretty good. Offensively, they've been not great, but I think Dillingham can drop enough stuff against this Washington State defense, which has proven to not be great. Uh, so I think Arizona State goes and gets the win over Washington State. They get they get Dillingham, that's first Pac-12 win, kind of the you know highlight of the season for him in a year zero type of situation. Uh, I think Dillingham's a good coach, so I'm going to take Arizona State to win outright. So give me the points and the win outright. The nightcap, Arizona, or Arizona is hosting Oregon State, 730 Saturday night, ESPN, Pac-12 after dark.
Arizona's improved, but Oregon State, I think, is tougher, more physical. They haven't been great on the road, but I think coming off a of bye week, I'm going with the Beavers, and I think they'll cover the three and a half. I don't feel great about that. I originally had said 31-30, Oregon State. I've changed my pick to 34-31, Oregon State, so maybe I don't have them covering the three and a half. But so take Arizona in the three and a half. But I, I probably would stay away from this game, given that I've been right in there. I think that spread is a little dicey. I think it's a really close game, but I'll take the Beavers. Yeah, even the degenerate in me says I'm staying away from this one. But if I have to go right now, I'm going Oregon State to win and cover. Uh, Judah and me, we're digging into the Arizona defensive line because I think that's the key to the game. If Arizona can stop the running game, it, or can at least contain the Oregon State running game, I think Arizona's got a chance to win this game. But you know, we haven't necessarily seen Arizona go against that big, bulky offensive line and the physical physicality that Oregon State provides. I need to. I want to see that. If they can, if they can hold up against the Beavs' offensive line, I think Arizona can win this game. But I kind of with you. I think Oregon State can push them around a little bit. It's going to be a methodical game. Uh, I think Oregon State wins this game right now. Uh, it could change by tomorrow, but uh, or Saturday when I'm thinking about it. But right now, Oregon State I think wins and covers. There it is. There's your picks for the Saturday Pac-12 action. By the way, keep an eye on Aiden Childs, quarterback Oregon State. I have nobody whispering in my ear. I have no inside intel. But coming off a bye week, would that not be the right week to maybe expand his role beyond, hey, he's going to get one series a game? You know, I I, want to be surprised if we see a little more Aiden Childs down the stretch, a little more, I'm not saying 50-50 with with DJU, but give him maybe he gets another series here, another series there. But, you know, he's been very effective in coming into these Pac-12 games, playing one series, and getting a touchdown. But do you think, so I just do you think that's I wonder? Do you think that's ideal for Oregon State? You've talked about the stakes of Oregon State. Is it is it beneficial to just to play a freshman quarterback one or two series, maybe even more, if DJ's cooking? Like, you got to win these games. You just got to chase I, for the college I know football DJ's playoffs. cooking, but how do you argue? Aiden Childs. I think the last three drives he's engineered are touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Has, has, so he's earned the trust of you to go in and make a bunch I, of I'm plays. not saying you're splitting time, but I'm just saying, do you give him one more series? Do you say, hey, you're going to get a series in the first half, a series in the second half? Like, I think he's earned that. And and I'm not saying DJ – it's not a vote against DJ. It's more of a, hey, this is a nice change of pace to bring this guy in. And wouldn't it be the wrinkle that, you know, you saw Chip Kelly – Came out of his bye week. What did he do? He went with a different quarterback. I just kind of wondered if Oregon State would come out of this bye week and give Aiden Childs just a little bigger role. Uh, you know, keep an eye on that. That's all I'm saying. Just saying, keep an eye. Let's play some Punch It Audio and Dan Lanning coming up in about 10 minutes. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Deshaun Watson will miss his third game of the NFL season on Sunday. Browns have ruled him out due to a lingering shoulder injury. He responded to reports that he doesn't want to play with this. Punch it. Oh, and I want to play. I just, I just worked my off for two years to get back to playing. So why wouldn't I want to play? This is what I've been doing since I was six years old. So why wouldn't I want to play? I see the, I see the same things. I see all the, the narratives, this, that, the third. I mean, all that stuff is just trying to call, 
controversy and, and, and commotion. You know, I'm fine. I'm happy. Uh, I'm not happy with the injury, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a great space mentally. I'm in a great space spiritually. Uh, physically, everything else is in a great space except my shoulder. Uh, so we're working hard to get that back. But yeah, why wouldn't why wouldn't I want to play? I don't I don't do this for no other reason. So uh, yeah, I see that too. I see the whole contract situation and all that stuff. Yeah, that stuff is just for people to talk and, and just create narratives. Well, he's got a fully guaranteed contract, so the speculation is that he's disincentivized to get out onto the field. Like, he, you know, it doesn't matter to him. He's going to get paid either way. So I do think he has to answer the question. I like the way he answered it. Urban Meyer talking about Kyle Whittingham. Urban Meyer says that Utah coach Kyle Whittingham is the best coach in college football. Period. Punch it. And everybody told me, don't hire him. You know, he's, he's kind of a unique personality, and I would had no plan of hiring him. And then once I got hired and I settled down, I realized how good they were on defense. And then I went to dinner with him and his wife, and I'm sitting there looking at, like, what am I, stupid? You know, this guy knows the conference. He knows the personnel on our team. He's a good person. He's a guy that, yeah, he's a little different personality, but so am I, and very respectful. And the two of us, I can't imagine a better working relationship, even to this day. That's how close I am with him. That's the respect that I have for him, and he's just, what he is, he's culture and discipline. If you said, and he's tough, he's tough as nails. Yeah. His father yeah. was an NFL coach for a long time, and I mean, Fred Winningham, one of the toughest cats, I met him before he passed yeah. away. Yeah. I, I can go on and on about Kyle Winningham and what he's done, but I mean, he's not one of the best, he's the best coach in college football. Urban Meyer, taking a little credit for hiring him, <laughs> despite the fact that, like, Kyle Whittingham has taken the program that Urban Meyer left behind and elevated it and given it consistency. I do think that staff in general is lights out. Morgan Scally, defensive coordinator. Andy Ludwig, offensive coordinator. Well-paid, well-compensated, smart coaches. And by the way, you look at the way that they score in the second half. They beat teams in the third and fourth quarter. That's coaching. That's adjustments. Some of that might have to do with the altitude and Utah being better prepared than others, but a lot of that is that coaching staff. It's why it's important for Oregon to be ahead at halftime against Utah on Saturday. Do you think Whittingham is the best coach in the nation, or at least in the Pac-12? In the Pac-12, I'd say I'd say Whittingham is up there. I'd say Jonathan Smith is up there. I think Dan Lanning is and and Coach Prime are the best two recruiters. Um, you know who I haven't talked about? You know, Chip Kelly's in there. I think in the best coach conversation. You didn't even mention Lincoln Riley. You've named five I, coaches. I, I, Lincoln Riley's not the best recruiter, and he's not the best coach. and Everybody knows it. You know, And this whole thing with pneumonia, like, I hope he's okay. I really do. But I thought Nick Aliotti on yesterday's show gave, you know, was spitting truth when he said, hey, 40 years, you know, you got to show up. You got to show up for your team. Just really weird to take that day off go to the hospital, pneumonia, all that, after you lose. Um, Timbers general manager Ned Grabavoy talking about missing the playoffs. Timbers missed the playoffs. Second straight year. Punch it. Obviously, it was an incredibly frustrating season on many levels. Um, and we could probably point you know, to all the challenges and the adversities that we encountered as a group, but we do have to accept that we fell short. And to put it simply, it, it wasn't good enough, you know. So disappointing, 
to be in here at, the, at this stage in the season. We obviously wanted more, uh, and we did not achieve that. Did not achieve the goals. Missed the playoffs second straight year. I guess Portland State could have played some home football games at Providence Park after all. Not like the Timbers are using the stadium this time of year. Just keeping it real. <laughs> they said on the broadcast, uh, Fletcher was saying there had to be six things that had to happen for the Timbers to not make the playoffs on Saturday. All six happened. You know, it started with the loss, and then a bunch of different uh, results of other games happened. That that's what made the Timbers not make the playoffs. Six different outcomes. I should have uh, placed a parlay on that, John. Yeah, but isn't it like doesn't it begin and end with the fact that they lost the game they had control it does, over? It does because you know? they you know they win and they're in, but you know. Still, a lot of things that had to happen to go wrong, and it did. But, yeah, again, just win and you're in. It's all You control your own destiny, and they uh, didn't do it. I'm going to chalk that one up to my philosophy about having to have concurrency of vision. And maybe um, there needs to be a stillness in your, in your management and in your ownership box. You know, when you're still in those places, it allows the product itself to lead the way. There's not a stillness for the Timbers in that area with everything that happened with the Thorns, the potential sale, are they being sold or not, the turning over the franchise. It's just been a really noisy, staticky time for that front office. So I am not surprised that it's bleeding over to the play on the field. And, oh, let Portland State play at Providence Park. Come on. Dan Lanning, University of Oregon football coach, is coming up next. Uh, We will visit with the coach of Oregon about the big game coming up, the college game day experience. We got Kirk Herbstreet on tomorrow's show. He'll be on the show at 3 o'clock, right out of the gates. He's going to be like, you know, in the Kentucky Derby when they uh, open the gates and they're away to go. That's going to be Kirk Herbstreet on tomorrow's show. He's going to start us off hitting leadoff, 3 o'clock. Be here. Leave it here. Radio show's been cooking this week. Do I sound cool saying that? Kyle Whittingham, Utah coach, was on the show earlier in the week. Jonathan Smith was on. Nick Aliotti, when his scratchy voice was on. Dan Lanning, the Oregon coach, is coming on here in just a second. Kirk Herbstreet on tomorrow's show. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? Here's what Kyle Whittingham said about Oregon in his visit earlier this week. On to Oregon now. A really good football team. Uh, very balanced, good offense, really good offense, really good defense. So there is no weakness. They're a complete team. <coughs> Hands down, the number one offense in the league as far as yards per game, 550 yards or somewhere in that neighborhood. Great quarterback, great leader, competitor. Like I said, balanced, uh, about 230 rushing and you know three something, 320 passing. But again, they're playing really good defense. They're they're top third of the league in pretty much every defensive category. So so no weakness. Kyle Whittingham says Oregon does not put its pants on one leg at a time. Here to talk about it, Dan Lanning. Is it true you guys jump into your uniform pants two legs at a time? <laughs> not true. Not true. We have plenty of weaknesses we need to fix. So how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I just I love having you guys on because he's he's a he's a really good coach and you're a really good coach and but he's never going to say anything that is going to inflame you guys he's just going to play above the fray all the time and i think you do the same thing yeah well he, they're, obviously their team's been elite and they won the championship the last few years but i think that speaks to it so 
he does a great job, man. He's uh, and and is able to adjust and adapt based on his personnel, and it's obviously really apparent again this year. All right. So, how do you game plan for a team that I saw them in person against Florida in Game One? I was there. They're a way different team than that game. They're way different than the team that lined up against Oregon State. They've had, you know, they're playing guys that were on the other side of the ball now. Well, you know, it's that's really college football and, and the fact that nobody really looks the same week one as they look week seven or week eight. Um, I think this team's, you know, truly that, that same, uh, you know, they fall from that same line. They, they've, they've changed as the season goes on and they've gotten better and they've improved. And uh, obviously they always play a physical brand of football. I think that shines through uh, even more uh, now than it, than it ever has. You go look at that two-minute drive at the end of the USC game. You're talking about a tough team to be able to convert in some of those moments, a tough quarterback to convert in some of those moments. So really impressive group. And they've always played really good football, and we know they're an even better team when they're at home, so we have to play our best. You know, it, after that game, Whittingham talked about his quarterback being a pig farmer. Do you have a Do you have a kid who grew up on a farm on your team? You must have a farmer on your team. Yeah, I certainly think we've got some uh, guys that are, have been on a farm. I don't know if we have any pig farmers. You know, that's unique. Um, definitely unique. You grew up on a farm, though. You grew up on, like, six acres, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, definitely grew up on a farm. You know, after you got home from uh, school or practice, you know, we had to go out and feed cattle and uh, do some of that stuff. So got, got to. I didn't have to. We got to go feed cattle. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's part of the job uh, back in my heyday. We had a steer when I was a kid, and, you know, you when you have a steer step on your toe, that's a thing. Like, that's next level. Like, you know, a 1,500-pound animal that's standing on your foot. It, you know, people don't understand. I'm like, oh, what a cute animal. I go, nah, you know, from a distance, they're cool. Yeah, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. Um, I always remember the days that, you know, you give the the cattle you have to like do the veterinary comes out and you're hitting them with shots and different stuff like that and that was always an intriguing day to me because you're trying to get them crowd and put in the booth you know one thing we did my grandpa would go to like the wonder bread store and he would buy all of the bread that was like a day old or two days old and one of my brothers and i's job was to rip the bread open throw it in a, a huge trash can and that's what we would feed the cows but if you came across something good, like you had to make a decision, like, okay, this glazed donut's only a day old. Why not, right? And so you'd be sitting in the back of a truck, you'd rip open this, and you're like, yeah, I'm not giving this to the cow, this cinnamon raisin bread? Come on now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm tapping in on that. It's only one day. There's no mold. There's nothing um, wrong with so, that. Yeah. Nothing wrong at all. I love it. Hey, uh, you guys uh, on the offensive line are very physical. I don't, I don't think those guys get enough credit. Um, you know, we talk about Bucky Irving or Jordan James, but what, what's happening on the offensive line with this team this season? Can can you maybe let our listeners know a little bit about those guys up front? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's quick to point out the success that our offense has had, and I, I hope everyone realizes you don't have uh, a great passing offense or a rush offense without an offensive line. And uh, it's been a really cohesive unit. You know, I think everyone kind of questioned the group coming into the season because they didn't necessarily play together. Um, but there's several guys along that front that have done an unbelievable job. I think our coaching staff there with Coach Terry and some of the support he gets from um, Coach Cavanaugh and Coach Cutter, they, those guys have done an unbelievable job along with Coach Stein and the rest of the offensive staff of putting together a plan that our guys can execute and show off some of their strengths. Jackson Powers Johnson, I you know I see him out there, and he seems to be more vocal, taking maybe a little bit of a leadership role. And Am I seeing that right? Yeah, you're 100% on. He, um, 
know, he's a guy that's a great example of, you know, we had a, a unit last year that played a lot of snaps together, and he was kind of that sixth guy that was always in the mix, and he didn't play as much as he probably could have played last year, but it's a great example of a guy developing in our offense, and he's always been extremely talented. Um, and he's, he's able to help us. And now this year he's really thriving because of it um, and his development, his growth, but really because of the player he is. He's a really talented player. I don't know if you remember when I first got here, we actually let him play some defensive line too. So mm. he's uh, he's an athletic kid um, that's really grown up this year. I think everybody's seeing what he's you know able to do and his potential. And I think uh, it was like in the Alamo Bowl where he played a little D-line and then he – I think he was playing guard, wasn't he? A little bit? Yeah, he's a guy that can kind of play anywhere along, um, you know, in the front as far as, you know, guard to center guard. Um, if we had to, he's one of those guys that we would ask to come play nose if we needed it. And, um, but he's been really good for us this year. He's making a lot of co- the communication calls up for, for the offensive line and has done a really good job. All right. Uh, I've been uh, thinking about something that one of the, one of the other coaches said. They, they were looking at another game, not your game, and, they were saying, oh, that's a trap game. Do you believe in the concept of a trap game, or do you think there's only 12 of these games? How in the hell could a kid ever not be excited about getting onto the field and playing in a game? Well, they're not wired like me if they're not excited to get on the field for every single game, but I'm not going to acknowledge that that probably doesn't exist. I'll say this. There's nobody in our building that would ever believe this game would be that if that's um, what you're insinuating. Like I said, these guys just won the Pac-12 championship last year. Um, I think our guys do a really good job of handling each game. The next game is the most important game, and that's certainly re- the reality of going against these guys, no doubt about it. All right, Dan Lanning is with us, Oregon football coach. Are you watching a movie on the flight? Do you? How do you guys fly? Do you travel watching a team movie, or what do you do? No, uh, we just hop on a plane. I'll have my playlist going, uh, you know, listen to some music probably or uh, an audio book, and – uh, I'll probably just be making notes for staff meeting that next day and uh, anything else that we need to kind of clean up might might catch a little bit more film on that flight um, as we travel. You got an audio book recommendation or uh, a song on your playlist you want to share with us? I've been listening to some John Prine. You probably don't know who that is, um, but he's kind of a throwback. It's one of the ones I, my dad used to listen to, and uh, he's pretty good. There's a couple songs there, Hello in there, and a couple different songs. It's like country so. folk music, right? Country folk, yeah, it's it's definitely different. But and I never would have stumbled upon it if it wasn't for my dad. But I actually like a lot of the music my dad listens to. Um, so that's what I was on today. But tomorrow it could certainly be something different. Zach Bryan's kind of a new uh, country artist, but I'm not mm-hmm. a big country guy. But I actually really like him. I think he's he's pretty good. For um, not books a country I'm guy right now. Yeah. I'm, not, not, I'm not really a country guy. Yeah, but you I know, say that, I, but, but you're giving me country songs over and over again. I know. Well, I mean, but most of the time I tell you about Trick Daddy or uh, something else, you know, Mumford and Sons or something else. So okay. I guess I like variety is the answer. It depends on what yeah. mood I'm in that day. I'm I'm reading a book. Tim Grover came and spoke to our team. He was a guy that worked with Michael Jordan and Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant uh, a lot. Um, and his book, Winning, you know, has some good anecdotes in there that I've been able to kind of pick up on. And that's one that I've buzzed through um, quite a bit this season. And uh, whenever I get a little bit of time, I hop back into it and look for some you know different pieces that might help our team but it's been a good read all right here's something along those lines that i i I noticed you know i've covered five olympics like all these big sporting events from the kentucky derby to the super bowl to the final four and everything Mm -hmm. and i noticed something in doing that over the years i noticed that there was like this congruency of vision that is obvious with winners and i don't care if it's a horse racing team or an nfl team or a baseball team 
it's like president to GM to coach to players all the way down the line. Everybody kind of knows the mission. How important is that or how hard is that to build when you arrive at Oregon in year one to go, okay, we need to have this lineup. Everybody needs to know, you know the direction we're going. How explicit do you have to be to get that to, to line up? Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a challenge, but I think that's that's what makes a team, right, is when everybody can share the same vision and the same goal. And I'd say we're a lot more uh, in line this season than, than we were in uh, last season. I think that's just that's not uh, anything towards our players as much as it's towards me, learning experience of, you know, how do you illustrate that vision? Uh, how do you manage the personalities? There's so many personalities on a, a football team. It makes it a lot different than any other sport. You know, basketball, you got, got five guys on the – on the court and in football, we're going to have a ton of guys that touch the field. So um, it's just a way different deal. And I think it's really important to illustrate, Hey, here's what I think is important, how we're going to win this game, but also maybe just important to give your players a voice and see what they think is going to be important in that game. And, you know, coming to a conclusion together, like, okay, if we do these things, that's going to create success. And it might mean I don't have, you know, 25 carries and it might mean I don't have 10 catches or 10 tackles or a sack. But if it equates to a win, isn't that what we all want? So, um, you know, that's the battle in football. It's a selfless sport. And when you can get everybody to buy into the vision and the execution that's required, I think you can have a lot of success. Here's the cool thing, too, because you can get, like, John Prine sitting – somebody listening to John Prine sitting in, like, seat 4A, and then next to him somebody's listening to Little Wayne. And then, you know, it's like you have this diversity in a locker room in football that's unlike anything from all these backgrounds. Isn't that an awesome thing to see all of that harnessed in one direction? Yeah, it's it's really cool. In fact, you know, we're getting on the plane tomorrow, and one of, you know, Jack, you mentioned Jackson earlier, you know, today. Every time we get on a plane for an away trip, he shoots me a song that I probably would never listen to otherwise, and I shoot him a song that he's probably would never have listened to. I think the last one he sent me was like Metallica or something, which I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in my genre. But uh, it's pretty neat to be able to be in a place, kind of a melting pot of people, and uh, working towards the same goal. All right. Uh, before you go here, uh, you know, give me an idea with a lot of talk in the last week about signs and stealing signs and all that. That's you know, it's been as long as they've been given signs, people have been trying to steal them. But, you know, how much of an advantage is it or disadvantage is it if I can tell you I, or maybe I can tell if you're in man or you're in zone, if I can pick up one of your signs. How much of an advantage is that to me? Or is that still a case of, eh, it's, it's an advantage, but you still got to stop us? It's a huge advantage. <laughs> it's an absolute huge advantage if you know uh, what, what somebody's playing. You know, that's part of the, the job of trying to hide and disguise what you do from a coverage standpoint. No different than um, it's a huge advantage if you know it's a run or a pass. That's that's definitely would would uh, affect the game for sure. Have you ever felt like somebody was onto your signs, or have you ever been on a staff, maybe at a different stop? You've been at a bunch of different stops where I'm sure like people have talked and said, you know, when you have coaches that go over to the other side, you got to change the signs every year. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to make sure that you're you know continually to adjust you know what you do um, and make sure you're having change ups and different live signalers and. Um, that's definitely part of the game, something that you want to make sure um, you're always protecting for your own team. Um, I've, I've been a part of a team before where you felt like, hey, they might have an indication of what your signs might be, and I think there's a lot of options there. Like, okay, just hold your call and wait until they make an offensive call, and if they don't make an offensive call, then they're going to get delayed a game. Right? They can't wait forever. Um, 
you know, and I, yes, it can create an absolute advantage, but I think it's also a little bit on you to make sure you're protecting your team. And like I said, taking some steps to not always have the exact same signals, not always have the exact same person signaling. So um, there's methods, but if you don't know that somebody has your signals, obviously that can create, you know, a real disadvantage. Right, tell me what I'm looking at when, you know, the your guys are on defense. Offense comes to the line of scrimmage early in the play clock, but they line up they're gonna like they're gonna call a play and then they back off and they look to the sideline. And then obviously then we look to your sideline and there's a bunch of scrambling and you guys are changing as they're changing formations. You know, there's a little chess game going on there. What are we seeing as as, as help fans out who maybe can learn something today? Yeah, so the reality there is the offensive team never really probably had a play called, right? They have a dummy call to start, um, you know, a change of cadence, and they might even be trying to hard count. A lot of times you'll see them clap, and if the defense jumps, they didn't really even have a play called, but they're going to go ahead and throw a pass down the field because it's a free play. Um, and then their offensive coordinator is probably down on the field or somebody up top is telling them, hey, it looks like they're in man, and then they're trying to call their best answer for man. And then on defense, you've got to make the decision. Okay, they checked the sideline. They killed on the sideline. Do we want to change our call um, and risk the chance that nine of our players get the check and two of them don't? Or um, do we want to go ahead and ride with the call we have? We have a good disguise. We don't think they know what we're actually in and uh, adjust and adapt. And then some defenses you'll build where your players on the field know that there's an automatic check when they check. So if they check, um, we're going to automatically check to this, and everybody on the field knows what we're checking to, um, and we can go execute it. But obviously that takes great players and great communication on the field. I love that. See, Pete, you just made everybody smarter. You gave us a song, you gave us a book, and you made us smarter. See? Thank you. Let's go. Let's do All this. Right. All right. All right. Good luck. I will see you at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, give them hell. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I know you won't say this. I think you got the better team, uh, but road games are dicey. So, uh, you know, go get them. I appreciate it, John. It's going to be a battle. Thank you. Dan Lanning, there he goes. He gave us a book. He gave us a song. And, uh, you know, he, he's telling you what's happening there when you see the offense go to the line of scrimmage and then uh, back out, and then you see the defense looking to the sideline, and then... Uh, we're all watching 20 seconds expire while the two teams, uh, the coordinators, are playing chess. Steven, did he change your mind there? You know, you've been a believer that the Michigan sign-stealing thing isn't a big deal. Dan Lanning seems to indicate that, yeah, it would be a big deal. He also indicated, though, that a good coaching staff would just change the signs and be, you know, make it so there's dummy yep. signs and change it up a little bit. So, no, because, like, I understand if you know what play is coming, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. But I've put that also on the coaching staff of the team that's getting their signs stolen, that it, it's got to be on them as well. Uh, you know, speaking of that, they just came out and TCU, they said Ross Dellinger tweeted out that TCU coaches had known about the elaborate sign stealing yeah. in Michigan. And they changed all their signs before the game. They had dummy signs, so it, the signs didn't matter that Michigan thought they were stealing. Like I just think it's on the coaches and the team staff. So it is, but you shouldn't break the rules, right? Do we agree on that? Like, yeah. hey, it, it, it maybe it's not that big a deal if if they know you have the sign, you just change it, and you can obviously get the catch them enough times where they don't trust that they have the sign stolen. But I also think there's a reason the NCAA has that rule, like no advanced scouting, no in-person scouting. You can't videotape from across the field. Michigan broke the damn rule. I agree on that. Like Michigan should be punished because they broke the rule. I just don't think it should be a very serious punishment because I don't. I, I feel like most teams are trying to push the boundaries and get as much advantage as they can. So I just, it's not a big deal to me. 
You know what they should do? I wish the NCAA could do this. They they should let the Vegas bookmakers tell the teams what that advantage is worth in points. And so all of Michigan's opponents this year get to start by, you know, they're ahead by six points. That's what the advantage is determined to be. And Michigan has to decide if it's worth it to steal the signs, yeah, give up six yeah. points. You can steal the sign if you want. Keep doing what you're doing. But you have to give six and a half points to Ohio State <laughs> before you kick off against them. All right. I want you to leave it here. Five at five coming up top of the hour. Tomorrow on the program, Bill Ridley from ESPN 700 will be on the show. Kirk Herbstreet from... ESPN's uh, College Game Day and Amazon's NFL Thursday Night Football will be on the show. Herb Street's got a weird day. He is uh, in Buffalo tonight for the Buccaneers-Bills game on Amazon Prime. And then he is traveling to Salt Lake City tomorrow. He'll join us on the show tomorrow right at 3 o'clock. Then he will be part of the ESPN College Game Day broadcast on Saturday morning in Salt Lake City. And then he will turn around after that broadcast and fly to Los Angeles, and he'll be at the Rose Bowl for Colorado and UCLA on ABC alongside Chris Fowler on Saturday. So he's got kind of a uh, whirlwind of appearances, and we are smack dab in the middle of it with Herb Street on tomorrow's show. Um, I asked people for questions for Herb Street. I got a lot of good questions that people tweeted at me, people uh, posted in the comments of the column that I posted today at johnconzano.com. So uh, we'll get to, we'll, we'll talk to Herb Street about a bunch of stuff, including Al Michaels and college football playoff rankings coming out next week and, and what he thinks of Oregon and Utah and what he thinks of the Pac-12 teams, how will Oregon do in the Big Ten, what does he make of Washington State and Oregon State now? All of the uh, hullabaloo about Pat McAfee and Lee Corso. Herb Street was in the middle of that. We'll talk to him about all of that on tomorrow's program. Now, Dan Lanning was just on. And, by the way, really good interview with Lanning. Great interview earlier in the week with Kyle Whittingham, Utah's coach. We had both coaches on. We had Jonathan Smith on. We had Nick Galliotti on. I mean, really good guests this week on the show. I always say we're not home of the Ducks. We're not home of the Beavers. We're not home of the Blazers. We're home of the truth, and we get the guests. And so um, I really love doing those interviews. And, but Lanning brought up... The uh, folk music, the country folk music of John Prine, singer-songwriter. I think he died about two, three years ago. But really good songwriter and really good lyrics on his songs. But, Stephen, you have some John Prine that you want to you wanna, uh, cue up here. Is there ever enough space between us? He was both honest and true Why is it so hard just to sit in the yard And stare at the sky so blue I got a new way of walking And a new way of talking Honey, when I'm around you But it gives me the blues When I got some good news And you're not there to bring it to Life is a blessing It's a delicatessen of all the little favors you do All wrapped up together No matter the weather Baby, you always come through <laughs> Lanning, Lanning even uh, What's the name of that song? That is called You Got Gold Alright, Lanning texted me two songs just now He must be listening He, he texted me Hello In There From John Prine 
And then he, he texted me, your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. Um, <laughs> let's cue one of those up. Which one do you want to find there? Hello in there or your flag decal won't get you into heaven. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm looking up uh, hello in there right now. So okay. Will, uh... So this was a recommendation from uh, from Dan Lanning. We'll do this. So uh, we'll get this Pull going. Pull up here shortly. We'll get, the, right. we'll get the live version, too. Get the so. live version. Yeah. Why not? We'll see uh, We'll see what old John Prine sounds like it's live not for. It's not for everyone. It's not. But I like I get bored with music. I can't listen to one kind of thing. All the time. I gotta. I, I, I like a little variety. Quite the preamble there. It's real balcony. In the city, and me and the rather like living there. Well, it's been years since the kids have grown a life of their own and left us alone. John and Linda. Living Omaha And Joe is somewhere On the road And we lost Davy In the Korean War And I still don't know what for It don't matter anymore You know that old tree just grow stronger and old rivers grow wilder every day old people just grow lonesome waiting for someone to say hello in there hello go i think we should play organ football highlights to that song put it between the uh the lyrics like it maybe or maybe find a little more upbeat song to do that too i don't know change my playlist right there uh he gave a uh, gave us a book as well uh dan lanning did so uh there you go that's why you come to the show you get book recommendations and change your playlist uh oregon going to utah rice Eccles stadium oregon state going to tucson to play arizona which of those two games is the dicier proposition from the team originating in the state of Oregon? Is it Oregon going to Utah, or is it Oregon State going to Arizona? Steven, you go first. I think it's Oregon State at Arizona. It's so weird to say because Utah, they've won 18 in a row, and then if you don't count COVID, they haven't lost at Rice-Eccles since 2018. But, John, I just think this Oregon team is a much better team, and I don't trust Bryson Barnes to be able to go up and down the field on that Oregon defense. I think as long as Arizona can stop the running game of Oregon or at least contain it, they got a shot to win this game with the way they've played, especially offensively. So I think it's a really tricky spot to go down to Tucson, 
for Oregon State and get the win. I think they're going to right now, but I think they're more likely to lose than Oregon. I am going to go the other way. I Just to go the other way, because I think you could argue that both games are dicey because it's a road game, and Pac-12 road games, they're hard. I find it interesting that five of the six Pac-12 games this week feature home underdogs. It, home teams are usually lethal. And so you got home dogs all over the Pac-12 conference this week, which kind of tells me that I, I think you're either going to see a bunch of underdogs cover or you're going to see some wins. And I think the biggest, actually the biggest chance for an upset win is Cal at home against USC because I just don't trust USC. But I'm looking at Oregon going to Rice-Eccles Stadium and I'm saying, hey, the last time Oregon did that, got its teeth kicked in it was you know Britton Covey right before halftime taking a punt to the house and I mean just embarrassed Mario Cristobal in Oregon so that's a really hard place to play I've been there a lot and I've seen a lot of games there and I I watched not just Oregon Oregon State I've seen USC play there I've seen UCLA play there I it's a hard place to win that said it's not impossible to win there I saw Oregon coached by Mark Helfrich with Justin Herbert at quarterback, beat Utah in the final game, uh, you know, final play of overtime, throwing a touchdown pass and walking it off and, you know, big win there in, I think, 2018. Uh, you know, and and also if you go, if you go really to, uh, uh, you know, the last team to win there, it was Washington State, Mike Leach. So you can win there. But I, I think 18 in a row is not to be trifled with. And I think that's a big t- a big task for Oregon and a big thing that they're going to be facing, obviously, as they get off the plane with John Prine p- playing in the in the ears of Dan Lanning with a mission in Salt Lake City. I'll, I'll be there for the game. It's going to be, a I think, a weird environment. There's snow at some of the higher elevations today. The temperatures have dropped there. They're expecting this game time temperatures to be in the 40s with maybe, maybe a little precipitation. Maybe. If it rains, and and it does rain at Rice-Eccles Stadium, if it does rain and there is a little bit of, there's some weather there, I think the advantage is to Utah. Now, I'm picking Oregon to win the game. Don't at me. But I'm just saying, it it's dicey to go in there. It's one of the three best home field advantages in the conference. It's not to be, uh, not to be trifled with. So keep an eye on that. I think they're both dicey games. I mean, that's the correct answer, but... I gotta know what's on Jonathan Smith's playlist now. I mean, come on, Dan Lanning laid it down. He's got some new stuff for us, and he says he's not a country guy, but gave us a bunch of country songs. That was pure country right there, wasn't it? It's country folk, and then he gave us Luke Bryan. That's country too. So uh, you've got uh, the five at five coming up. Steven's been working on this all day long. He's gonna give us the five biggest stories. We're gonna lead you right into Thursday night football, and then tomorrow's show right at three o'clock. It'll be Kirk Herbstreet. So tune in early tomorrow. On the BFT. I want you to leave it here. Hour number three, the happy hour. Still ahead. Steven's got the five at five. Tomorrow's show, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Big guests, wall to wall. Kirk Herbstreet on tomorrow. Three o'clock hour. Be here early. Get here at 2.55. Make sure you don't miss it. All right? Tell friends. Steven, you ready for the five at five? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The five at five. Number one story. 
Well, number one, we've seen this happen in the NFL, but now it's happening in the NHL as Ottawa Senators Shane Pinto has been suspended 41 games. He becomes the first modern NHL player banned for gambling, John. Oh, boy. 22-year-old American, uh, first player to be banned in the NHL. He says he wants to apologize to the National Hockey League, the Senators, my teammates, the fans, the city of Ottawa, most importantly, my family, um, as he was betting on the games. Now, of course, in the NFL, there's been at least 10 that we know of players that have been recently been suspended because of gambling. Most notably was Calvin Ridley, who is now back active with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Jamison Williams as well, who is with the Detroit Lions. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. This isn't going to go away. I think people are learning how to, you know, deal with all the gambling commercials and the gambling all in their face, but they got to know they got to be better and smarter than to uh, gamble on your own sports. Yeah, it's stupid. It's just sheer stupidity. The leagues know that this is a problem. They're unfortunately in bed with gambling, and it's not going away. So it's going to be on the players to have to adjust to this. And I, I think you, you're going to see this across sports. I, I do think that people who have issues with gambling, it you know, it doesn't discern like it's only college football players. No, it, you're going to see hockey. You're going to see baseball, NBA. It, I think you're going to see it everywhere. Number two. Well, number two, John, we got Dusty Baker. He lost in the ALCS, but now he's announced his retirement from the game of baseball. Baker, he's been around for a long time, John. He was drafted in 1967, made his debut in 68 at the age of 19 years old. Now get this. He played against Hoyt Wilhelm, who was born in 1922. He just managed against Evan Carter on the Rangers, who was born in 2002. That's an 80-year difference he's been around. Uh, he had 242 homers as a player, two-time All-Star, NLCS MVP, two-time Silver Slugger, three-time Manager of the Year, won over 2,000 games as a manager. Of course, he won the World Series with the Astros in 2022, but also won as a player back with the Dodgers in 81. So Dusty Baker uh, calling the announcement, calling the quits as a retirement. He'll be in the Hall of Fame uh, one of these days. Dusty Baker, what a guy. Here's what he uh, said uh, when he was asked kind of a – about leaving the organization, leaving the Astros better than he found them. One thing that I try to do, I'm very conscious of, is that the is that the place I'm leaving from is in better sh shape and condition than when I got there. And uh, I, I hope that you know we're in better shape uh, now than when I got here, uh, even though we were in great shape then. Dusty Baker. Hanging it up. One uh, of the I things remember, I, I yeah. always remember this kid when he ran on the field of the Giants and JT still yes. had to grab him out of the way. Yes. I remember with the Giants too as well. I, you know, I'm probably biased by that. But he was a calming influence. And, in, you know, for an Astros dugout that was struggling with sign-stealing allegations and all that, Dusty Baker on the scene wasn't a bad thing. Number three. Well, last night was, you know, it wasn't opening night of the NBA, but it was real opening night as most of the teams played. Uh, Victor Wimbanyama, the number one overall pick, a lot of hype around him. He had 15 points, was in foul trouble most of the game, played 19 minutes only. Spurs lose to the Mavericks. Of course, here in Portland, Scoot Henderson, he struggled. He ended up with 11 points. Blazers lose by 12 to the Clippers, but it was much worse as the Blazers were down by 26 heading into the fourth quarter. Next up, four-year Trail Blazers, a game tomorrow night against the Orlando Magic at the Moda Center. Magic, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Blazers, but uh, Scoot looking to bounce back after a subpar game one, you could say. Chauncey Billups, this is what he had to say after the game. It was just a, it was a rough go from the very beginning, uh, literally from the very beginning. We turned over on the first play of the game. Um, 
and just never really settled in, you know. But I don't, I just didn't feel like we challenged them enough. That's a good team, you know. Um, that team is going to be competing for a championship this year. Um, but we just didn't, we didn't challenge them enough, in my opinion. Um, but we never really got settled in. I thought their pressure really hurt us, uh, turned us over. The rebounding really kind of hurt us. Um, so it was, you know, it was a, it was an uphill climb the whole game. Dusty Baker to Chauncey Billups just struck me. Yeah, you know, can you leave the organization better than you found it? Will Chauncey Billups leave the Blazers better than he found him? I don't think he will. I don't think so either. And it's tough because it's not like it was a great situation when he got here. It's been worse. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Dusty Baker, you go from a Hall of Famer like that to Chauncey, who's definitely learning on the job. Uh, it's, you know, complete opposites. It's going to be a long year for the Blazers. I mean, that was it was evident before they tipped off, but you could see it last night. It's going to be a long year. They're not going 0-82. Get that out of your head. But they might go. They might win 25. You know, I won't be surprised if that that's what happens. They might win 27. It, they're right in there. Will they get back to first place at any point this season? No. No. They had the one day. No. They had their day. They had their day. I took a screenshot of the standings yesterday. There they were. Number four. Four, yeah. Brock Purdy, John, for your 49ers. He's in concussion yeah. protocol. Uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan, he said Purdy started experiencing those concussion symptoms on the plane ride after the game on Monday night against the Vikings. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean Purdy will not play on Sunday against the Bengals. He actually was a limited participant in practice today. It does make it very unlikely that he plays, as there's only been one player who has been in concussion protocol and then within the week came back and played. That was Kenny Pickett last season. He was diagnosed on a Monday, came back, and played on that Sunday. So it doesn't mean Purdy's out for sure, but it looks like Sam Darnold will probably be getting the start against the Cincinnati Bengals. How big of a concern is that for you as a 49er fan, John? Not that big a concern, but uh, it, ma- it makes sense of what Brock Purdy was doing on Monday night. Like, he just didn't look like himself after the concussion. You know, he got it on a fourth down and short, tried to quarterback sneak it, got hit by one of the other players, Minnesota Vikings players, who's trying to just jump into the pile, and then he subsequently throws two interceptions, and just his judgment wasn't there. So... It makes more sense now of what we were seeing, yeah, you know, certainly late in that game. And this is why, look, John Lynch, you know, made the move to get rid of Trey Lance, you know, elevated Brock Purdy to the, without question, going to start, and then brought Sam Darnold in as insurance, right? This is, this is the exact situation that the Niners prepared for because of what happened last year in the playoffs when they bumped into the Eagles and Purdy got knocked out of the game. Do you think that the 49ers wish they still had Trey Lance on the roster now to be the backup if Purdy is to miss a game? I think they're okay. I think they're better in a better situation right now with Darnold there versus Lance and maybe someone else. So I I like where they are right now. It's unfortunate. This is the league that it is. Guys get hurt. Number five. Number five, yeah. We've been talking about sports cards a little bit lately and how you know it's, it's a different game than it used to be. But Tops, they still produce baseball cards. They invented the first ever Taco Fractor. It's a card with tacos on it, but there's a promotion that goes with it. The first player to steal a base in the World Series. If you have that Taco Fractor card of that player, you get $15,000 to Taco Bell. Now, Corbin Carroll, he is in the World Series, former hop, one of the best players, probably the best player on the Diamondbacks. He has a Taco Fractor card. It just sold 
for $5,000. So that means if Corbin Carroll is the first person to steal a base, that person can turn that card in and get $15,000 to Taco Bell. Seems like a little risky move there for some Taco Bell, but I mean, I guess if he's the first guy to get the stolen base, you get $10,000 free of Taco Bell there. That's going to be a big deal. A lot of tacos at stake. I mean, you know, you can get a lot at Taco Bell for a short price, little price. I mean, $10,000 goes a long way there. There you go. And that's the five at five. Well done. Well played, Stephen. Coming up, uh, we have on this channel, 750 The Game, on this station, I guess, on 750 The Game, you'll be hearing the Buccaneers-Bills game. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit will be on the call on Amazon, and he will be on tomorrow's show at 3 o'clock. So we're going to lead off the show. I'm going to have to start warming up a little earlier than normal for the 3 o'clock visit. Also on tomorrow's program, Bill Riley, ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City. Anna will be back to do the 5 at 5. And uh, who knows where the show will take us. Uh, We've got great guests all week. I really enjoyed some of the interviews we've done. If you want to grab the Dan Landing interview from earlier in the show, he was on an hour or two, you can go to wherever you get a podcast and make sure you find the Bald Face Truth Radio Show or search for John Canzano. You can grab that Dan Landing podcast and make sure you subscribe. Like, make a commitment to us. Like, you know, Judah's running around behind the scenes. He's podcasting and and Steven's over here working his butt off and, you know, I'm doing the interviews. Like, we're making a commitment to you is what I'm saying. So, Make it count by uh, subscribing and make a commitment back. All right, we are back tomorrow with another great show. I hope you have a great evening. Um, uh, It looks like we're getting some good weather heading into the weekend. I love that. We'll have good weather. Will there be good weather in Tucson? Will there be good weather in Salt Lake City, where the Ducks and the Beavers are going to be playing? Uh, We will find out, and uh, we'll keep you apprised of all of that. All right, tomorrow... I will catch you on the show. The Bald Face Truth, not here for a long time, just a good time. Have a great night, everybody.